Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. I am. We are back with part two of Kim and Chris's fairy tale wedding. The absolute most wild piece of reality television either of us have ever experienced. How are you feeling? I can't believe that we get to do this again. And then we get to do it again two more times after this. Two more times. I can't believe we got four episodes out of this. You know what? It would have been a travesty if we didn't because this is absolutely the most wild thing I've ever watched on television. Just as a side note for a second, the one other thing we didn't discuss on the regular episode, because obviously we had Justin Sylvester on, which is like our favorite thing ever, but we didn't get to the Kardashian recap, is the Hulu trailer for season three that dropped. Do you want to discuss it? Yeah. I mean, listen, it was relatively anticlimactic. And I know the feedback online is like, that trailer gave us nothing. It's not that anyone's wrong. You know, it's not like we are getting the type of Tristan content. It's just that for me, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't need a super gripping trailer. I'm so excited no matter what. Me too. And like, they gave us Scott in it. And that was the first time we had gotten Scott in a trailer from the past two seasons. So I was so happy to see him that I almost didn't care about the rest. The thing that I will say in terms of the, they gave us nothing was like, Usually when you get a Kardashian trailer, you at least can look at one part of it and say this one event is being covered. We did not get one aspect of this trailer that pointed at any specific event that we know of. Yeah. And the real question that we, I think all have, or at least I definitely have, is to what extent will the Kanye stuff be covered, if at all? And it's a really big if, because I I genuinely don't know how feasible that is, how willing Kim is going to be to do it. You know, we're really going to have to see as this plays out. I don't have a gut feeling going in. I think it'll be a lot less than probably we would ideally want. At the same time, though, there's something great about really not featuring him. I I don't know. I mean, that's obviously the thing I would say I had to define as the part I'm the most curious about. I mean, and don't forget, though, that 
we never got the peep breakup. That's the timeline that we're still on. We ended last season and they were still together. So we never found out what actually went down with Kim and Pete. So for me, honestly, yes, there's a part of me that is very interested in the Kanye stuff, but it's not the part that I crave. I really crave the answer of of what happened between her and Pete. I feel really confident that Kim is going to give us, at minimum, a confessional talking about it. Given the fact that he was on last season and how many confessionals she had talking about him, giving us the whole origin story, to me, there's no world in which she doesn't address it. Because honestly, in the scheme of things, that's so low stakes. Like She knows that that will feed the viewer, and I feel like that's the type of thing she's happy to talk about, whereas obviously the Kanye stuff, she's significantly more hesitant because of the heaviness of it. Of course, and she, you know... She doesn't have to protect her kids from the Pete stuff. She has to protect her kids from the Kanye stuff no matter what it is, no matter how bad it is, no matter how much she internally was prepared to show. There is still an element of it that just cannot be ignored, and that's her kids. With the Pete stuff, yeah, I think that she feels maybe an an obligation to not share too much of him and, and not exploit that too much. But at the end of the day, like, it's kind of hers to do what she wants with it. I also just don't think there's any bad blood between her and Pete. I really don't. I absolutely could see a world in which she's going in to give this confessional and she kind of gives him the heads up, you know, just want to let you know. And he's like, do what you got to do. Like, I I don't know. To me, it's so water under the bridge that if I'm her, it's almost like a system hack. Like, I'm going to keep the public fed and really be able to kind of withhold the part that's the most anxiety provoking, which is the Condé stuff. We really have to wait a while for this to come back, by the way. It's not coming back until May 25th. I know, and it is a very long time. We're two months out, but two things. One, think about last week how we were saying, how is it the end of March? Like this year specifically feels like it's going by so fast. So I have to imagine May 25th will come before we even realize it. But second of all, I am just so happy to have a date. Like even if it was September, of course, that would have been pretty fucking terrible. But at least... It's better than the unknown. I hate not knowing. I, you're right. You're right, little glass half full over there always. <laughs> Sorry. I can't help it. I know you. I don't, I don't know why you apologize. I like it. By the way, between the two of us, somebody has to. <laughs> that's, that's true, I guess. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like, I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. 
So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, let us get into this. As you guys remember, we left off last week with Chris Humphreys golfing with Caitlin and Scott. They're trying to talk some sense into the guy, basically like, you cannot be this combative with every single woman in the family. He was entirely non-receptive, wanted to figure it out himself. And as we'll see throughout this episode, (laughs) it's not turning out so well for him. No, it is not. So we pick up with one of the greatest scenes, which is the engagement party that Chloe and Courtney are throwing for Chris and Kim at Chloe and Lamar's house, which by the way, before getting into anything of substance, love myself an event at Chloe and Lamar's house. It feels so right. Like it felt so right that in going over the whole timeline of this whole thing and every single event that Chris and Kim's engagement party took place at that house. You know, the irony of this entire situation is that both Chloe and Courtney, but specifically Chloe, is public enemy number one to Chris. She cannot stand the guy. He can't stand her. Yet the engagement party is taking place in her home. And so, you know, from an aesthetics perspective, Kim is thrilled. She feels like Chloe and Courtney really went over the top. They did a beautiful job. She's so happy being there. Yet what's going on very much under the surface is some very, I shouldn't even say under the surface, what's going on in plain sight is some very real tension that is continuing between Chloe and Chris. And you kind of see this a little bit, even in Chloe and Courtney's speech, there's a call out here and there. Even when Lamar is sitting outside with Chris and another NBA player and Chloe kind of comes out and immediately Chris has a reaction of like, we're just trying to have some guy time. This is not what I want to look forward to in my life. Just really so deeply annoyed, I would say, by even Chloe's presence. But the shit really hits the fan when Chris goes upstairs and basically walks right into a conversation between Chloe and former friend Brittany Gastineau kind of talking shit about him. I have to back up for one second because I can't downplay the part where Lamar and Chris are sitting together outside and Chloe comes up to Lamar, her husband. She doesn't even say anything to Chris and it cuts to Chris in a confessional going, great, this is what I have to look forward to the rest of my life. Like, (laughs) She is hosting your engagement party at her house and she was just coming over to say hi to her husband. Like, if you can't deal with the idea of that for the rest of your life, what are we doing here? They hated each other. I I don't use that word that frequently, but they fucking hated each other. Well, they both represented to each other everything that they hated in like the opposite sex or like in a person at all. For Chloe to be looking at this person that was coming into her life and marrying her sister and was just clearly such a like, I don't know another word to use other than a jackass. Like that is Chloe's worst nightmare to have to deal with somebody like that on an 
an everyday basis. She didn't have the patience for that. And then you have Chris looking at her, which is like, wow, I don't want like, I don't want like a strong woman with opinions. Like that's his worst nightmare. And he says it's his worst nightmare. He didn't try to hide it at all. No, a woman with a backbone is like something he's deeply fearful of, which again is, is rather ironic given that Kim is certainly a woman with a backbone, but as you're watching this, you see she did make herself more timid. She did hold back, you know, not to say that she didn't express how she was feeling, but this is not current day Kim. This is definitely a version of Kim that is more comfortable with taking a little bit of a backseat. Oh, totally. I I just remembered this, which doesn't necessarily have to do with the scene, but they put the Mindy Project on Netflix recently, so I've been doing a rewatch of it, and I had completely forgotten that they have a scene that Chris Humphreys is in, which was after the divorce, and he's joking about it on the Mindy Project. Like, he's playing himself. They're doing a pickup basketball game, and he's saying, like, come on. You don't want to be like me. You don't want to end up in the position I'm in. Like, like, something about, like, reality TV girls. Like, it was so wild to watch at the same time I was doing this episode. I actually do remember seeing that, not because I watched The Mindy Project, but I I just remember that scene vividly. I, it was a very big deal at the time, and I had forgotten about it, and then I rewatched it, and it like, came rushing back to me. And then as we were talking about it now, it came rushing back to me again. So Chloe's upstairs with Brittany Gastineau, which by the way, total side note, but if you're deep in Kardashians, you of course know about Brittany and her mom, Lisa Gastineau. They had a show, Gastineau Girls on E. I'm sure we've mentioned them throughout this podcast various times, but they used to be very, very close friends with the family. I mean, specifically Court and Kim and Brittany were really close. And I don't know if there was some sort of a falling out or what the deal was. I think now they're back to at least being friendly. But I remember like back in the day, you know, when I was in high school, I was so tuned into that friendship. And then I remember noticing when they started to drift and I was so curious, you know, now I think it's all water under the bridge, but I, I was very curious a while ago. Yeah, I do think they're friends again. I also think, like, it's the Brittany Gasnow to Natalie and Olivia pipeline. True. To me, that's all the same font. I'm going to tell you right now, nobody has it better than Natalie and Olivia. Nobody. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because... You just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, not as they really work with you, And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. 
And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Okay, so Chloe and Brittany are upstairs. They're having this conversation, kind of talking about Chris and Kim. And Chloe says, listen, Kim falls in love with everyone and that's great, but her nickname isn't Elizabeth Taylor just for the diamonds. And Brittany asks, you know, do you guys like Chris? To which Chloe responds, yeah, I like him, but I don't really know him and it feels like he doesn't make an effort to know us. Chris walks in directly to this conversation. He doesn't hear anything, but he can kind of just get the sense that that's what they were talking about. And, you know, he's saying in his confessional, here I was going to find Chloe to thank her and to smooth things over. And that's right what I walk into her talking shit about me. And to his credit, he kind of confronts her directly. And to her credit, she pretty much admits exactly what she was saying, which is, it's not that I'm talking shit about you. I'm just not entirely sure of your intentions. And I feel unsure about this entire situation. And I just hope that everyone is thinking it through and that your intentions are pure. He's obviously deeply offended by that. He's like, what are you trying to say? That I like this world and that's why I'm with Kim. And she says, yeah, it does feel a little bit opportunistic. And he's like, it would only be opportunistic if I was trying to come up off of Kim. And she's like, well, you kind of have already. So this is like absolute worst case scenario because everything up until this point, I would say, not that it was joking in nature. There was definitely a lot of seriousness beneath the jokes, but there hadn't been a direct character assassination in what was taking place in this moment. Right. And they also like, you know, they acknowledge that underneath the jokes was like very serious hatred for each other but they had not gotten to the point where it was like actual confrontation completely removing the jokes like they were hiding behind the jokes up until this point and this was the first time where they like really just laid it all out what they were thinking like chloe said how she felt chloe voiced her actual concerns that she had not voiced until this point at this point it was just chris is annoying or chris doesn't know how to shut his mouth or chris doesn't know how to not be obnoxious here she was actually saying at his engagement party like i think that you're opportunistic and he is not necessarily attacking chloe in the same way because i think chloe was coming at him with the concerns that she had about him And he was kind of coming back at Chloe to just take a hit wherever he could and says it back to her about like, well, I think you're opportunistic and you're married to a Laker. Oh, wait, before we get into that conversation, I just want to take one second to highlight his confessional because here he says in his confessional, you know, Chloe's one to speak about motives. She got married in three weeks for the purpose of shocking Hollywood. I know it was just one line, but for some reason that really struck me because I feel like if you're Chloe and you're watching back this episode, that's the part that pisses you off the absolute most because- Chris kind of told on himself there in terms of like, these are the lengths that he feels this family would go to for fame. Right. But also, you know, Lamar is kind of his one ally in the family at this point. Like Lamar and him have basketball in common. They kind of have this friendship that exists outside of the family. And so not only is he taking the hit at Chloe, who he openly doesn't like, he is now taking the hit at his one person in the family. That was always a thing to me that was a little bit confusing in this whole situation, which 
I guess now we can get into this conversation because he says directly to her, how dare you question someone else's marriage? Are you sure you're not just using Lamar? He's a Laker. He's got championships. You're trying to find a tall, successful guy to have kids with. And Chloe says, you think I married Lamar because he's tall and a Laker? And by the way, and by the way, what of it? Right. Like, by the way, what if she did? But like, I I agree with you. You know, there's no world in which you can say that to Chloe and not expect that her husband isn't going to have a reaction to that, which we never really saw the conversation between Chloe and Lamar about that moment. It's just, yes, it really, to me, represented like how in that moment Chris was not thinking for one second, the potential repercussions of this conversation. I, you know, although all to say, neither really was Chloe because she wasn't thinking about Kim in this moment. No, of course they weren't thinking, but also the aftermath of this fight, which we'll get into in a little on both sides is so interesting because Chloe is so nervous that Chris is going to tell Kim and that she's then going to have to answer to Kim. And Chris is kind of not rocking the boat, but eventually brings it up as a way to kind of stir the pot. And of course, Chloe and, and Kim get into it at the end, but no one for one second in the aftermath of this fight was like, wow, you know what Chris said was kind of equally as bad. Also, like he said, don't take a hit at someone's relationship and then fully took a hit at Chloe's and no one even mentioned it in the aftermath. I know because I think the general consensus was like, he was just reacting to Chloe, which he was, although there was truth behind his words in terms of clearly the way that he viewed them all. I just feel like if you're reacting to somebody and you're upset about something specific that they said to you, the worst thing you can do in that moment is to react in the exact same way. That's the thing about them. There was no strategy in either of their arguments. They were just seeing red, you know? Yeah. This was so crazy. This happening upstairs at Chloe and Lamar's during the engagement party is a is an event in history that I will never get over. I know. And I know we don't normally go as in-depth in these scenes because we've got like 20 more to get through, but I just want to finish this one out. So she says to him, you know, you think I married Lamar because he's a Laker? Listen, Kim has been my sister for 27 years. Kim is someone who falls in love heavy. And when she falls in love, she loves hard. Do I believe that every time she's been in love, she believes it? And he cuts her off. He's like, so you're saying I'm just the fourth or fifth dude in this. And she's like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just hoping that because Kim is a hopeless romantic and she has the best intentions that that's not the situation. And he says, I've never been married and she's been on that level with every guy she dates. So maybe I should question her intentions. They're sacrificed both ways. You know what I mean? And it it kind of ends there, which (laughs) really pulls an Uno reverse. I mean, by the way, forget about everything I just said. Like, yes, the throwing it back in Chloe's face ruined the entire argument because he kind of had no leg to stand on. But then you're going to take the moment to attack Kim. Like, you're going to question Kim's intentions in the middle of this fight, and that's not going to come back to bite you? I know, and that's a prime example of not necessarily thinking it through and just saying the first thing that came to your mind. However, I do think there were hints of that that were true, meaning I don't think Chris ever 100% trusted Kim, not necessarily in terms of her intentions with their relationship, but more so like it's very clear the way that he viewed the family in terms of how fame hungry he thought of them to be. And so I think on some level, even if he wasn't necessarily mentioning it to her, that was always somewhere. And this is the moment where it kind of just came out. Right, which again, like the discussion we've had throughout not just the fairy tale wedding special, but the entire season is like if he viewed her in that way and he viewed the whole family in that way, what was he doing here? Right. And what was kind of the most ironic element of all of this is like, here he is having all of these thoughts about the way that they conduct themselves as a business and the way that they are chasing fame. Meanwhile, he is the other star of this fairy tale wedding special. Well, something that's really making me laugh right now is that 
I know so much of the response in the aftermath of Kim and Chris breaking up was everybody saying like, oh, she only did it for the show. She only did it because it was televised. She only did it to make profit off of the show. As I'm watching this, I'm like, do you know how much better of television this would have been had they put out a Kim's fairy tale special and she broke off the engagement in the middle of it? No. (laughs) There's your show. Well, the most surprising part of this whole thing is that that didn't happen. They did like everything else but break up. They literally bit each other's head off every single moment of this episode, yet somehow the wedding went through. It really is just shocking in retrospect. I can't get enough of watching this. Okay, so we now fast forward two weeks later. By the way, for the rest of the episode, I'll kind of do what I did last week where we glaze over some scenes and then some scenes we have serious analysis. But in this one, it's Chloe and Courtney. They're in the car and Chloe's saying to Courtney that she cannot believe she hasn't heard from Kim yet about the blowout that she got into with Chris at the engagement party. And they basically come to the conclusion that like, clearly Chris has not said anything to Kim because if he did, she would have confronted Chloe. Chloe's like, she's a huge fan of confrontation. There's no world in which Kim wouldn't have said anything to me. So I think she's kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop with that. As a side note, we also have Chris Jenner's face reveal. Looks fucking amazing. Dr. Garth Fisher really knocked it out of the park with that one. But one of the things, which we will touch on later on, is she's saying in her confessional, you know, with the exception of Kim, none of my kids came to the surgery center. No one seemed concerned. And it's something that is bothering her. Again, we're going to put a pin in that for the moment. The next scene, we have Kim's first wedding dress fitting at Vera Wang. As we were talking about last week, she had a lot of different designers coming out, really wanting to partner with her on this. She ended up going with Vera. And the next scene, which is the one that I really want to dive into, this is when Chloe kind of marches into Kris Jenner's office and is like, by the way, not for nothing, you know, when, when Lamar and I were getting married, you were really focused on making sure that the prenup was secured and that me and Courtney and Kim and all of our business entities that are so tied up together are protected. And like, have you really been doing that with Chris and Kim? Because I'm a little bit nervous. And you see Chris Jenner just immediately go into that mode. While Chloe's talking, she's dialing the lawyers on the phone. She's wanting to make sure that prenup is signed, sealed, and delivered. And what they find out is that it's not, and there hasn't been a signature yet. That was like peak anxiety for me. I'm like watching this. First of all, there's a moment where I'm like, okay, well, this is obviously fake because of course there's a prenup drawn up. Like Chris's initial reaction was like as if there was no prenup at all and she hadn't even thought of it. And I was for a second, I was like, okay, this is the fakest thing I've ever seen. We then get into the part where it's not about not having one at all. Obviously they have one. She just hasn't checked on the status. And when it hadn't been signed yet, I was like, oh my God, not this motherfucker creating a prenup issue. But you know what is so interesting about this moment? Like in some ways it makes so much sense that Chloe is the one to bring this up because obviously out of the entire family, she's the one that has the most concerns about Chris. But anything aside, like Chris Humphreys could be the most wonderful man in the entire world. The fact that this wasn't something that was so top of mind for Chris Jenner, and not saying it wasn't top of mind, clearly they were working on it. It wasn't like the concept of a prenup hadn't been discussed, but the fact that she wasn't so on it to the point where if Chloe walked in and said that, Chris wouldn't have been like offended that that was even a question raised and that she wouldn't have been totally on it, just goes to show you like Chris Jenner was getting real wrapped up in Kim's whole fantasy world here. You know, like she was having so much fun being Kim's teammate in this wedding planning process. It was in a lot of ways her dream come true as well that like, I don't think this was overly dramatized. I think this was a relatively real moment of her focus had kind of been elsewhere, which is so shocking given the fucking shark that we know Kris Jenner to be, you know? You know, it's really funny because 
yes, of course we know Chris as like the boss of all bosses. But there is something interesting that happens as we have discussed time and time again with the men of the family or when a new man enters the family where not that she ever fully slips from that, not that she ever fully loses sight of that's who she is, but, you know, there's there, there are certain things that the men are able to get away with, that there are certain things that that pull Chris's main focus or main attention, and you watch that start to... I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this because it's not a crack in the foundation, but it's almost like Chris's weak spot. Well, yeah, and if we really want to call it like it is... Yes, that's changed over the years, but on some level, it very much still exists. You know, it is something we consistently see. The men in their lives get a lot of passes. And I think in their eyes, it's a sign of loyalty and it's a real positive. And in some ways it is. But I think as an outsider, which is far easier to say when you're not the one intimately involved and you're not the one who's co-parenting with these people, like it is perhaps an aspect of them that could stand to be analyzed. Well, what I think it is also that always catches me off guard is that, you know, Chris is such a boss and elevating the women in the family as being bosses themselves and like really owning that title of of (laughs) women in STEM, like really owning that title of who they are as women is so important to Chris and so, and so important to the rest of the family. That is the whole shtick of, of, of this. It's the whole crux of who they are as, as women and business people. But there are times where you see Chris revert back to just being a mom who wants her daughters to get married. And it is so conflicting to the Chris that you know her to be. And so those moments are very confusing. And that's what you're watching happening here. Chris is so one track mind about her daughter finally getting married that she's a little bit losing sight of certain other aspects of it, or not even so one track mind about her daughter having a husband, just so one track mind about like, wow, I get to plan a wedding for my daughter. This is what I always dreamed of. Well, yeah, and also specifically at being Kim, who's like not only so receptive to Chris's opinion, but also really wants her heavily involved. Like, not to say that Chloe didn't, and of course, Chris Jenner had a huge hand in Chloe and Lamar's wedding, but the fact that they have a little bit more time here, they can really do it in the way that she wants to do it. Like, this is her first time doing it, and, you know, she's thrilled. Right. She didn't get to do it in the way that she would have wanted to for Chloe because it was so rushed. And even though it was a beautiful wedding and it was everything that Chloe dreamed of in the moment, obviously, if they had had more time, Chris would have done things differently. She has spent the last season begging Sky and Courtney to get married because she wants to give her a wedding. And so Chris gets to put everything, all of her frustrations into this one event. So no, she's not focused on how fucking wrong this obviously is. She is living out her own dreams here. Well, right. And not to say that it's, you know, on Chris Jenner to be the one to kind of put a stop to all of this, but like in another world, it's very possible that she would have been the one to step in. Yet, as we're seeing, like she got swept up too. It, it, <laughs> clearly it, it happens to the best of us. But moving on, we are now in their first kind of one of their first, I should say, wedding planning meetings. It's Kim, Chris Jenner, which, by the way, I know I said this every single time, this relationship was never going to work out. In what world are we supposed to be recapping Kardashians for the rest of our lives and have to specify that it's Chris Jenner? Like, obviously, it's fucking Chris Jenner. No, I, I, I couldn't. I'm glad that we only have a couple parts left and a little bit of New York to have to do that. So it's Kim, Chris Jenner, and Sharon Sachs' team. 
Again, remember Sharon Sachs is the pre-Mindy Weiss. And they're sitting down and this is when Kim says, we have to Skype in Chris. He's in Minnesota, but he really wants to be involved. And just like immediately, the second he gets on that screen, if I'm Sharon Sachs, there's a chance I'm walking away. Like here they are presenting to him their ideas. And, you know, Kim's like, I'm, I'm thinking white and black and sparkles. And he's like, no, I don't want sparkles. I don't want girly. And they're like, do you know who you're marrying? But then by the way, the solution for him to not wanting something girly was a casino theme. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. I can understand the aspects of the wedding planning that Chris got caught up in. I too would be caught up in picking out Hermes China. I too would be caught up in picking out the flowers. But I do think that being on Skype with someone suggesting a casino themed for the wedding that I'm planning is probably the thing that's going to snap me back to reality. You know, yes, like 1 million percent, but also in retrospect, the black, white, and sparkle wasn't the move either. You know, like it's, I know, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, when we go into the next few parts. But I look at those photos and I'm like, 2023 Kim Kardashian would be so mortified that this was the aesthetic that she chose. You know, like I actually think it's Kim's worst nightmare. And even, and I remember at the time thinking it was so beautiful, but in retrospect, it was so gaudy. Oh, it was so gaudy, but they've changed. Their style had changed. Everything was, you know, at the time, they, at the time, the thing that was most important to them in throwing this wedding and putting it together was just big, lavish, and rich. And by the time Kim was marrying Kanye, they had kind of learned the art of doing that subtly. Obviously, there is literally nothing subtle about a wedding where you go from Paris and fly everyone to Italy and there's this beautiful flower wall and Andrea Bocelli, you know, sings as you walk down the aisle. But there's a subtleness to it in the sense of it's not glitter. It's not diamonds. I mean, Kim was holding a bouquet of white roses that had literal diamonds in it. Like, it's so not her anymore, but it really was representative of who they were at the time. Or, no, actually more accurately, she's holding the bouquet of white roses, which has, you know, cubic zirconians in it. And Chris says, and is it possible to make those real diamonds? Like 100% what you're saying, one track mind. They just wanted the show of it. And they do that now, but in a totally different way. You know, it it, it sounds so almost moronic to say because it's the opposite of this, but it comparatively speaking is more understated current day, even though it's objectively more expensive. And by it, I just mean everything. Right, exactly. Okay, so <laughs> next scene, this is when Chloe is at Kim's. Kim invites her over to talk about something, and Chloe is fully expecting that this is going to be Kim absolutely reaming her out for the conversation that happened at the engagement party. To her surprise, what Kim actually brings up to her is like, you know, I think that mom is feeling a little bit upset that you guys really weren't that there for her during the surgery. Chloe is super receptive to this, feels really bad, and this is when they get on the conference call with Courtney and Rob and they decide that they're going to do something special for Chris to kind of show her how much they care. And I do think that they genuinely felt bad once Kim brought that to their attention. Oh, of course they did because they don't do that intentionally. Just, you know, they are, again, talk about being different. Chloe would never fucking do that now. Chloe is literally living next door to Chris. She goes over there every single day. She is with her and so supportive of her and so supported by her. It's a completely different relationship. But at the time, Chloe was just kind of selfish in that way. She just wasn't thinking. And I guess neither was 
Courtney, neither was the rest of them, but Kim always had that in her. And and it was the, the, the relationship that Kim and Chris have was so, so on display during this whole episode. They just got each other on a very different wavelength. And they still do, by the way. Oh, yeah. So this next scene, we have Chris Humphreys and Sharon Sachs, the wedding planner. They're going over some of the food choices. And because Kim can't be there, she sends Chris in her place. So to Chris Humphreys' surprise, Chris Jenner walks through the door. And here he is presenting the fact that he would love to have five guys' burgers as the food. And she's like, well, maybe we could have Wolfgang figure something out. Like just the most unaligned people you have maybe ever seen. Go to the next scene now. This is kind of the Chris Jenner appreciation dinner, and it's very sweet. You know, she walks into the house thinking it's just going to be a night with her and Chloe, and to her surprise, everyone is there. They have scrapbooks for her, like really just doing what they can to kind of make her feel loved and appreciated. And nothing to say about the scene other than it was heartwarming. Loved it. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality. And their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Okay, so we're now kind of transitioning into one of the subplots of the episode, which is Rob's changing relationship with food and not only the way he feels about it, but also Chloe and Lamar's awareness of it and a lot going on here. I, I know people may think this is like super dramatic for me to say, but honestly, as someone who has struggled with some serious body image stuff in the past, like this, this has the potential to need a trigger warning, I would say. Yeah, it, it was, I agree. It was a lot. Well, like it was, it was just the kind of thing where, you know, you're talking about a show that was filmed in what, 20, this is 2011, 2012? Yeah, 2011. Yeah, yeah, like it would just, there's no world in which this would ever have been covered this way current day. But like there was just no sensitivity around what was like a very serious issue going on, you know? Well, I don't think that the concept of a binge eating disorder was also something that was entirely familiar to not only them, but like, like everybody at this time. Well, kind of the way that we're introduced to this plot line about Rob's changing relationship with food and his body is that Rob, Chloe, and Lamar are all hanging out and Rob says to them, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night and I ordered McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts and they all live together. Like he lives in their house. So they have been seeing his changing behavior and they're kind of all just discussing it. And you can see like we're in the very, very beginning stages of this whole thing and we're going to continue to get more into it. But like at this point, it's treated, not to say not seriously, because clearly it's serious enough that they're talking about it, but the whole thing is in a very kind of joking, gotcha way. You know, there, there's no understanding or awareness of like there could be something more deeply rooted going on here. Right. It just, it wasn't handled with the sensitivity that you would have wanted to see it handled with. But also keep in mind that this is very similar to the discussion that we were having in regards to Rob when he was in Bora Bora, where the entire family kind of recognized that something wasn't right with Rob. Something was a little bit off. He was lashing out in a way that he hadn't done previously. He was picking fights in a way that he hadn't done previously. But they, you know, they weren't able to look at it with that bird's eye view. They were so in the moment that they weren't able to see, you know, Rob needs more help than he's getting right now. And I think that that's what you're also watching happen during these scenes with Rob, where Rob needed more help than he was getting. Rob needed more sensitivity than he was getting. They just didn't know how to help him. And also this was happening at the same time as planning a wedding that was like taking up all of the attention and everybody's time and, and, also dealing with the fact that this was Chris Humphreys on top of just planning a wedding. And so all of these things that were going on with Rob also kind of got pushed to the side a little bit. Right. And also the fact that if you're Rob, this whole thing is even a little bit more intense because everyone is telling you this needs to be the time when you're getting in shape for this wedding. You know, like as if this whole thing isn't stressful enough, you then have the very real awareness that like you're about to be in a million photos and everyone is super conscious of how they look. Like it's just, it's a lot for a person to handle. And I think so much in media, we see it from like the female perspective and we don't as much see it from the male perspective, but like men struggle with this stuff too in a different way, but in a real way. And so it's a side conversation, but it was something that I was aware of as watching it. <laughs> Just warning you guys, as we go through this, we're about to bop around. Like we're going to Hanson's Cakes. We're going to the wedding invitations. We're going to the cars. So Everything we just said tracks, but this isn't going to necessarily be linear because we have this outline done scene by scene. All right. This next scene, by the way, real uncomfortable. Are we at Hanson's? No, we're at the scene where Kris Jenner comes over to Kim's house with the Maybachs that she ordered for the wedding party. And while they're standing in the driveway with the car guys, Kim, Chris, and Chris, Chris Humphreys has the very legitimate realization that 
Chris Jenner hadn't considered his family in terms of the amount of cars that they need. So it's very quickly resolved, but like, whew, that was an awkward few minutes. Okay. You know how sometimes we say like, you guys have a lot of creative control over the show. You have a lot of pull with what editors put in and what they don't. It's not like a housewife situation where you kind of don't get a say. The fact that they let this scene be kept in was like, oh, wow, you're really like, you really want to show us everything. Like, I have nothing but respect for the fact that you just painted yourself in the worst possible light. I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm Chris Jenner and I fully forgot to even consider getting cars for literally Chris Humphreys' nuclear family, like there is no world in which that footage is seen in the light of day. No, like <laughs> never. Okay, so we now go to Hanson's Cakes. They're doing the cake tasting for the wedding. And it's so funny because in Kim's confessional, like she's explaining Hanson's to us as if we've never heard of it. Like as if we have not seen those fucking white flower cakes that they have for every single event in the history of Kardashians. I was like, don't insult me with the Hanson's explanation. Uh, Although I will say at the time we may have needed one. No, I came out the fucking womb knowing what Hanson's was, Julie. I did too, but you know, I not everybody did. And you know what, <laughs> M, you can't be mad at the over explanation and the over PR for Hansons. You've had that cake, and they deserve every shout out. Oh my god, you guys! The what? Is, what was one that we got? Oh, the marble. It was the marble chocolate chip with that buttercream frosting. Uh, fuck me up. I actually just had a moment. We need to move on. I'm like fantasizing. I know. That. You guys want to know some real fucked up shit that happened one time? <laughs> okay. No, it's not her fault. Okay. One time. Let me explain. No, let me explain what happened. Let me explain what happened. Isabel and I had a Wegman sheet cake, which for me, a Wegman sheet cake is my number one favorite cake in the entire world. But we had this Wegman sheet cake and it had a whipped cream frosting. And we had never really had that. We we're buttercream girls to our core, of course. And we were fawning over this whipped cream frosting. It was so light and airy and we couldn't believe how good it was. And Emma's birthday was the next week, okay? And Isabel says to me, a couple of days after we had had this whipped cream frosting experience, I did something crazy and I don't know if I made the right call. And I was like, what did you do? And she was like, For the Hanson's cake that we got Emma for her birthday, I changed it from buttercream to whipped cream. And I'm like, what? Like, we don't know what that's like. And she was like, we just love the other so much. I can't imagine it not being the exact same experience. Like, it's going to be amazing. And I'm like, Isabel, I'm really nervous. Like, I spent weeks waking up in like a cold sweat. I was so nervous that this cake was not going to be what you wanted. And so we get to – we get to – you know, the house in, in Palm Springs and we have the cake brought with us there and we're eating it and I'm I'm eating it and I'm like, it's it's not the buttercream. And I was like, there's something a little different about this cake than when we've had it before. I was like, no, 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 it's the exact same. And then I, I had a confessor after that Isabel kind of I went a little rogue. And it's not that the wolf cream wasn't excellent. It's just, I think buttercream is a safe option always. And sometimes whipped cream can make a surprise appearance. Yes. And also like if this situation had to occur and you're going to secretly change someone's frosting preference for their cake, like let it be me. Like I'm never, ever, ever going to care about that. I would never – like I spent weeks telling Isabel that I thought it was just as good. You know what I mean? Until finally like two months later, I was like, all right. Yeah, I would have preferred the buttercream. You know what I mean? Like thank God it was me who like obviously didn't care. But in retrospect, that was a bold move. 
I'm going to tell you one thing. She would have never done it to me. <laughs> no, she wouldn't have because you would not have shut up. <laughs> no. You would have been, like, actually, that's my worst nightmare. Not me being the one because I wouldn't have done it, but being in the vicinity if you got fucking whipped cream instead of buttercream. I don't want to be anywhere near that house. Yeah, and, and you're and you're right for that. But by the <laughs> way, which brings me this passionate discussion about the whipped cream versus buttercream and the Kansans cake versus the Wegmans cake brings me to my next point here in this scene, which is when Chris Humphreys refused to take a bite of the Hansons cake to try for his wedding because he didn't eat sweets. No, I'm sorry. That was the moment where I said, I've put up with enough. I- I- I've put up with everything so far. And this is where I'm calling. This is where I'm drawing the line definitively. Yeah, that's not necessarily something you can come back from. But in this scene, we also are now having the plots merge because they're all making comments kind of about how Rob is eating so much and this and that. And Chloe says in her confessional, you know, listen, yeah, I'm talking about Rob's weight gain. And typically I wouldn't be the one to comment on the way someone looks because in my family, I'm considered the quote fat chubby one, but I just feel like Rob has zero control, which again, we're talking 11 years ago. I'm not holding her to the fire for the way she handled this then. I think it would be a totally different conversation now. However, like I'm listening to that confessional and I'm like, how are these two things being connected? Like here you are admitting that you have a sensitivity to this that no one else in the equation has because you've unfortunately had to deal with being on the receiving end of such criticism. Yet you're doing it because you feel that he has no control. And like, that's the only thing that can be done. It was just the single most ineffective way to combat what you were recognizing as a real lack of control, yet choosing to handle it by shaming someone. And it's like, you're literally saying you've been on the receiving end of that and you know it's not productive. It's so, I, I was so like thrown by that, you know? But you know what we always say with Chloe is that as much as she has gone through and as much trauma associated to her weight and her looks and attacks from the media, when you're a victim of that in and of itself, it's hard to not sometimes perpetuate that same role that you've been taught. It's it's a lot of learned behavior. And, you know, obviously when you watch Chloe in the scene, you would have hoped that she would be the one that went above and beyond to be sensitive and understanding and really take it from a different angle. We're dealing with 2011 Chloe like we're dealing with the time period of 2011 on top of being Chloe. Like she didn't really know how she didn't know better. I don't think. No, she didn't. And I'm so aware of that. It's really not anger. It's just like sadness that I feel for everyone involved here, that this was the way to handle it. By the way, if I'm Rob, I'm like, wow, it really be your own, you know? Yeah. yeah. Also. Okay. This is important because we're now flashing to Chloe in Lamar's house and Chloe says to Lamar, listen, I know Rob's telling us that he's kind of been eating shit, but like there has to be more that we don't know about. And so here, I did this thing that I think is going to be really helpful. And she proceeds to show him that she basically bought an alarm for the pantry. So if Rob opens the door at any time throughout the night, this alarm goes off and they are alerted and they come running down the stairs. And of course, this happens in the middle of the night. The alarm goes off and they come down the stairs to find Rob in the pantry, which like actually my, I was cringing throughout this whole thing so hard. Like I know at the time it was a fun reality TV plot, but holy shit, I cannot think of a more like shame inducing experience if you're Rob. Oh, I, this that was hard to watch. Yeah. Really, 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 really hard to watch. Okay. So 
next scene, I told you guys we're bopping around, but I think I think if, at this point, if you're listening to this, you've you've been with us on a bunch of these. You're you're there. Okay, we are now at the scene where Kim and Chris Humphreys are picking out their custom wedding scent. Like they're literally designing candles to be lit at the wedding and have their own scent, which I totally forgot about this. I know it's super out there, but I actually kind of like this as a concept. Yeah, I didn't hate it at a, as a concept. I mean, I don't think I would have liked to create a brand new scent, but I think that like sitting down and deciding on one specific candle would have would have been a great option. Yeah, I feel like I've just thought about every potential aspect of my wedding and that's one thing I really hadn't considered. And now I'm like, all right, what candle do I want? But that's, <laughs> we're not even, uh, we don't even have a guy yet. So we'll, we'll follow up on that. By the way, if I'm Unbreakable by Chloe and Lamar, I am distraught over not getting the gig. POV <laughs> are Unbreakable. Especially after Chris Humphreys knew it by name in Bora Bora. Yeah, like he knew the tagline too. Like give them this job. My God. God, that's funny, Julie. We got to make a TikTok from the perspective of Unbreakable. Like not to I'm having Oxford Slavery do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know Jake Shane just signed with WME? I was just going to say we're never going to be able to get that done now that WME swooped in and took them from us. <laughs> okay, so they're at this meeting and while they're there, Chris Jenner calls to say that they have gotten the dream wedding location and Kim is over the moon. And of course, Chris Humphreys, instead of being able to celebrate, is just so deeply upset and offended that Kim and Chris went ahead and kind of did this without him, which I, I, don't, I don't even really want to touch on. Let's just keep going. It's it's too upsetting. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Can I just say one thing about it though before we move on that I promise we can? Like something that is crazy is like, you guys didn't have the discussion before about what Kim's dream venue would be like that never once came up in the whole process of Kim being like, by the way, like I have this dream venue. It is my literal dream. If we can get it, I would really like to be married there. Like that never once came up until Chris got it and secured it. But again, it goes back to the point we were making last week with the retainer. They did not know each other. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so we are now fast forwarding to Courtney and Scott's house because basically what's happening here is Rob is aware that he has a relatively unhealthy relationship with food. He wants to fix it, but he's not at the phase yet where he's kind of accepting his role in it and he's really feeling as though it's all because of the fact that he's living in Chloe and Lamar's house. They have a lot of junk food and in order to get himself back on track, he wants to move in with Courtney and Scott because – Courtney is, you know, super health focused and she stocks her house with a lot of healthy options. And he thinks that it'll be a lot easier for him to maintain the routine he wants if he's not constantly surrounded by temptations, which like in theory, I can understand, you know, wanting to set yourself up for success. But basically what we see happen is, you know, him and Scott day one are at the drive through. And this is when Rob kind of starts to realize like, this is an issue he's going to have to deal with himself, which I actually think net net was a helpful realization. I mean, it took him it took him a second to get to that realization in this episode and I think that was one of my main takeaways with this whole thing with Rob removing the unhealthy relationship with food and removing the way that the family was reacting to him for just a moment. Rob has a real real issue with an unwillingness or an incapability of accepting any sort of responsibility for his position in life or like things that he is he is doing, living in Chloe's house, not having a job, like it is becoming a undeniable pattern of behavior and I think that between Bora Bora and the wedding special and seeing Rob now like what would eventually transpire with Rob and and his mental health and not that this doesn't play 
into that. Of course it does. And, and, and of course that, you know, the two go hand in hand, but the inability to accept things being because of him was so, so prevalent. Yeah. There was just a lot going on with him at this time. And we will continue to see more of this as not only this season, but also the rest of the seasons progress. But I just, I can't express, I mean, I know you know, but I don't think that I could do a good enough job of like eloquently expressing the sensitivity that I felt watching this, but I really, I really did. It was, it was, this was a hard watch for me, honestly, because a few things were happening. He was feeling so much shame. He was then also being shamed by the people around him. And he wasn't able, I think, to fully express whether he knew it or didn't know it, the extent of what was going on, because it was still in a relatively like joking context because no one had even considered the possibility that like maybe something else was going on internally that he needed help with. And because they hadn't gotten there yet, he wasn't even able to approach this in the way that I think he wanted to. And like, it was just, I don't know. It just, it was fucked up. It was really fucked up. It was hard to watch. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We are now at a very important scene. This is when Chris and Kim are at Chris Jenner's house and they are talking about the performer. And we kind of spoke about this last week, but they're going through the different options. Robin Thicke, Christina Aguilera. Chris Humphries is really opposed to Christina Aguilera. He doesn't like, quote, her look and her whole thing. And really the, the main takeaway of this scene is when Kim is like, baby, I've been planning this dream wedding since I was 10 years old. It's just such a girl thing. And he goes, yes, then you could just slot any guy into it. And keep in mind, this is not a fight that happens in isolation. This is the fight that happens in front of Chris. You know, it's funny with the you could slot any guy into it in terms of planning your dream wedding because for a lot of girls, you kind of can. And that doesn't have anything to do with them not wanting to share that day with a specific person. But yeah, there are a lot of girls who – plan their wedding from the time that they are little, that they have exactly what they want in mind. And it's the day that they have dreamed of in a very specific way for them. So yes, it's not, you can just slot any guy in. You want it to be with the person you love. You envision it being with like the love of your life, but there are elements of a wedding that, yeah, that, that just is the honest to God's truth. Well, I mean, I think, you know, for not everyone, of course, but for many women, if it is something that they had been thinking about from the time that they were younger. I mean, for, for some people, like if you're talking about us, it's when we were in middle school, in high school, there wasn't even a person to fit that. It wasn't even like we were, you know, discounting the potential partner. There wasn't a potential partner at the moment. There was no one in the equation. The only thing that you were thinking about on your Pinterest board or, you know, the photos you would cut out of magazines were just the aesthetics of it. So like exactly what you're saying, there is an aspect of that that kind of is true because you were planning this before you even knew the person. But by the way, Chris, if you don't want to just be slotted in and you want to have a role in the planning, have better taste. Yeah, I mean, he had a fair shot of not being slotted in, but the second he threw out the five guys in the casino, like it, it just it just became irrelevant. I mean, what about when he wanted his dog to walk down the aisle as the ring bearer with Mason? And I say that as somebody who went through the traumatic experience of putting my dog to sleep while on FaceTime last night, and I still couldn't believe that Chris suggested his dog being at the wedding. Julie, I can't believe you just shared that trauma with everyone. I'm I'm so glad you did. That was just so off-brand. Yes, Julie went through that last night, which was like deeply traumatic, and I wasn't even there with her. 
I just, I just, I, I wasn't sharing it for that purpose. I just needed to fully illustrate how offended I was by Chris's suggestion of that. Well, you're about to get so many condolences for saying that. <laughs> Should we cut Which it I out? I hope makes you feel good. No, you are not cutting <laughs> you guys are You guys are witnessing vulnerability in real time. It's happening. She's getting there, folks. Okay, so we now go to one of the final scenes where Kim takes Chris to the venue and she says to him on the walk-in, like, listen, if you don't like this, I have the check in my bag and I will rip it up. Of course, because Kim and Chris Jenner have fucking phenomenal taste, he walks in and he falls in love with the venue, as we all knew that he would. But when they're in the car, Chris kind of fills her in on the fight that he got into with Chloe at the engagement party. And you know, all hell breaks loose after this because we get the final scene of this episode where Kim goes to Chloe's house, confronts her, and it's just a bloodbath. I mean, by the way, this was the point where I was like, Chloe, throw it back in her face. Like, make your point strong. Put an end to the madness. Like, say to her in this moment, you know, you may be mad at me for what I said, but let me tell you what Chris said. Like, put this to rest. It was just so bad, you know, because Chloe's saying, like, I don't talk shit behind his back. I'm actually saying to his face and to you what everyone else is thinking. And Kim's like, well, I don't want any of this bad energy at my wedding. And if it's what you're all talking shit about, then there's no reason why you should even be in my wedding. And Chloe's like, listen, all I'm doing is telling you what's being said behind your back. So what, you don't want me at your wedding? And Kim's like, no, I don't. And of course, there's the dramatic ending. And, you know, we all know how it ends. Obviously, Chloe's at the wedding. But, like, this was intense. I mean, God, Kim was so blinded by this. Like for Chloe to be saying like, this is what all of us are saying. Like this is what everybody who loves you is concerned about and saying, and we don't really like this person that you're about to marry. And like you are ignoring all of the warning signs here. And of course it's too heightened in the moment for Kim to really understand what Chloe is saying to really internalize the fact that like, whoa, this is a huge issue. Like my family who I am, so unbelievably close with cannot stand to be in the room with the person that I think that I love. Like I have to look at this differently. It was, she was too progressed in this process. She was too committed to what she was doing, but Oh my God, if she could go back in time and and listen to Chloe and really understand what she was saying, this would have gone down a lot differently. I know. It's like, this is the incorrect term to describe what was going on because at this time it was certainly not a bit, but in retrospect, it's like Kim was real committed to the bit here, (laughs) you know? Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) So that's where we leave off. Obviously we have the next two parts that I have to imagine will be two separate episodes because there's just no world in which we could fit it into one. But what a time to be alive, Julie. I can't believe we get to do this again two more times. I am no. so excited. It's like the it's really the best thing ever. I feel so lucky. Is there anything else that you would like to mention? I think that's it. Okay, I think so too. We love you guys. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. And if you listen to these and you enjoy them and you like them and you feel like you want to leave five stars, it would be amazing. But also totally don't have to (laughs) just like if it's something that you feel like doing but uh we love you and we'll see you later this week for bravo